Good afternoon. Um, I'm here with uh, Peter Cruz, uh, proud owner of uh, New World Wines, a uh, friend of mine we met a few years ago um, at a tasting and uh, continued our uh, relationship over the past little while. So, Peter, how are you? I am wonderful today. Thanks for uh, inviting me in to uh, have this uh, wonderful conversation. Yeah. So, as you know, we've been uh, playing around with uh, podcasts and um, we started to do some tasting on a few uh, wines, but um, we're going to take a step back today and we're going to talk to you as a, a wine rep or a distributor on with a few questions uh, and we're going to break this up into two parts. So for those people that are listening, hold your horses because there'll be lots of tasting notes later on. Um, but the first few questions that we're going to talk about are around um, being a, um, a rep and an importer of wines. And uh, so I'm going to ask Peter, what do you look for when you're trying to bring in wine to this uh, province? That's a great question. It, it, it's, it started, uh, this is my uh, 16th year of importing wine into British Columbia. It started with the focus mostly on the Pacific Northwest being California, Washington and Oregon, looking for small boutique handcrafted wines. Uh, I have to say that over 16 years, <laughs> things evolve <laughs> and change. Business never stops. Business never stops. <laughs> Benjamin Phillips. So, um, there's a bit of a hiccup there, but, um... Yeah, sorry about that, my phone. Peter yeah. was doing business, always doing business. <laughs> sorry. When you're uh, a wine merchant, you're yeah, always yeah, doing yeah, business. Yeah, we were talking about um, how, how the business has evolved over uh, 16 years, going from a uh, very um, specific uh, attack at the wine industry, and that being more boutique and high-end, um, and as time developed we realized that um, you have to uh, broaden your horizons and bring yeah. in more affordable wines but we really wanted to keep to our our, our guns as far as having um, handmade wines uh, that are small in, in nature therefore I think a lot um, and we talk about this now is is like healthy wines uh, like healthy food we're looking at healthy wines and the wines that we look at now to bring into the province, to get back to your question, um, they come from a lot of the same suppliers. Uh, we have about 40 different suppliers that we bring into um, the province, uh, some ranging from quite expensive to some that are understanding this, the difficulties of this market uh, and pricing, uh, helping me uh, to bring in wines that, I would say our, our wine at par, if mm -hmm. I could say that. They're, they want to get into this market. Um, they're not um, making the same margin that they would by, by giving me better pricing, but I'm pretty open about our pricing into this uh, wine market, so what their prices will be in this market. And since we have a, a multi-tiered system, uh, it, it is very difficult for a lot of import, uh, exporters to understand what is going on with our pricing, but they finally, when they come up and work this market and see the wine shops, the restaurants, the, and, and wine shows that we do occasionally with them, they, they start to understand 
uh, how expensive it is because of um, the multiple levels. Uh, do, you, do you find that um, they're really happy with the exposure that their wines are getting worldwide as opposed to just their own little areas of influence that they come from? I, I think most wineries that um, we represent now love the exposure. Uh, um, they're always trying to, some of them will never get over 5,000 cases right. in total. That, that's a very small winery. They like selling little bits. They like to have it in Whistler. They like to have it in Vancouver. They like to be in the best of the best. And I think that's where we started. But the, I have to say on that, there is a lot of competition out there now. There is so many other wine agents doing the same sort of thing mm. that we're doing, uh, realizing that there is a niche. Um, I think that people, the most difficult thing for the consumer is to find the wines. Um, we can talk about them, but I sell one wine at Liberty Point Grey and I might have another one at uh, South Surrey at Everything Wine. Uh, from the same winery, but not everyone's going to carry every product from mm -hmm. from uh, the same uh, winery because it's that's not what the stores are set up to do. They uh, they look for what holes they need filled. And uh, to go back to your question, my job is to find wines that are great value for great money in 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 this economy. So. When we first started, you know, I was selling, my average price point was $55. That's, that's not an average person's wine to go out and buy every day. You go into wine shops, you're seeing people between $20 and $30 now. And, and that's their comfort zone. We can push them up a bit, but it has to be a really good wine that they really enjoy. And they also know that that wine's probably $80 to $100 in a restaurant. So. Right buy it at the store and take it home and enjoy a beautiful meal. And I think that's part of why we're doing this. Right. We're, we're trying to get people to understand that you can spend a little bit more than your comfort zone, but you're getting much better value than, than you normally would. Yeah. So everybody wants the perfect $20 bottle of wine um, within their budget, and they want to go out and buy that all the time. The reality is that, yeah, I'm going to ask you, one in five bottles are at $20, the rest are a little bit higher if you're looking for that kind of quality I, I, and value? Yeah, I, I, especially in our portfolio. Um, it's my wife, Elizabeth, and myself. We, it's really very difficult to get wines at the $20 price point. Right. I have to... That, unfortunately, that means that I'm buying wines that are $4 or less, and to me... That's the cost of the bottle, the label, the cork, and the cardboard box that it comes in. So I'm trying to find you wines that are between 30 and 40 that deliver 60, 70, 80 dollar price points because they're handcrafted mm -hmm. and well put together, good winemakers that understand the use of wood and fruit. And, and that's been our quest. And as, as we've gotten older at this, the more we listen to our peers and our friends when we taste wines, because it's the feedback is what drives us to go find other wines. Mm -hmm. When we taste wines, we don't just think of ourselves. We think about other people. Yeah, we I, have our palates, like you have right. your, your palate, uh, but it's important to think about what other people might like. Well, and I feel fortunate that I'm one of your guinea pigs that uh, <laughs> gets a chance to 
try and sample some of those new wines that you bring in. And yeah, there some of them are really good and some of them are, you know, even for my own palate, questionable that I might not really be interested in. But it's the diversity that we're trying to uh, access so that everybody... Yeah, because not if, if, all, if everyone liked the same wine, it'd be simple. Yeah. And, and, and everyone liked the same food, it would be simple. But mm -hmm. we are a very diverse uh, country with a lot of different wines coming in. And there's great wine consumption done in this. It, it, it's, it's like I look at the craft beer, how it's exploded. Flourished, yeah. Yeah, and the wine industry is um, challenged because um, of price point. If everything was $10, it would be simple, but it's not. And I know a lot of people spend quite a bit of money when they go to restaurants. They know the food is gonna be great, and then they sacrifice by not having a really good bottle of wine with it because they're restricted by the cost. Mm -hmm. And I'm the same. I don't go to restaurants and spend $200 on a bottle of wine. I, I refuse to well, do it. I, I think we all are because <laughs> we know that you could have bought that bottle of wine for 80 to to $100. Yeah, and sometimes less, depending and on the restaurant. Less. And and that challenges people because they go out for a nice dinner and they go they look at the wine list. They already know the wine they're going to have because they know the price point they're going to go to. And to me, they're, they haven't changed anything except location. They're drinking a wine they already know. And, and that's, I get it, but we're trying to give people an opportunity here to, to try new wines. And, and when you go to bigger restaurant chains, I'm not going to have my wines there because mm -hmm. I'm not right across the country and nor would my suppliers have enough wine to go right across the country. So it is unique. I think we have to think about specialty wine stores where I know those owners of those wine stores taste all the wines. Um, and, and, and I have nothing against the government stores because I sell them wines. Uh, they're more of the high end. Um, but those product consultants, they also know those wines. But in general, I think the average person walks into a store and sees a whole batch of product. They think it's, that's the wine to buy. And I think you go to a private wine store and you ask them, this is what I like. And I think you'll get some incredible recommendations. Yeah. And I think that's where we, uh, both foodies and wineies, uh, or winos, <laughs> um, we, we get along with these wine stores because they understand their customer and we kind of understand them when we go to them and we show them wines and they go, I already have three at that price point, so that doesn't work. I love the wine, but I don't have room. And I think that's a give and take that we have in this industry. So you go from one wine store to another. There's a lot of wine stores. Lots of choice, for sure. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's go back to 15 or 16 years ago and you decided that, damn it, this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. And uh, <laughs> you found... Uh, a winery, someone that was interested. Who was the first portfolioed wine that you actually carried? And can you tell us a, a story about that? The, the very first wine, and I, this goes to actually me writing my very first check. Uh, it was to Foreman Vineyards, uh, Napa Valley. Rick Foreman has been 52 years uh, making wine in Napa Valley. So he's probably one of my most knowledgeable winemakers. Uh, I'm not going to say the best because uh, everyone likes different techniques, but I think that he is one that stands out as one of those small little 
incredible people uh, is not, you know, lost his direction by becoming successful. He still drives a pickup truck, wears the boots, still racks the wines, has his son helping him now. But he brought things like non-malolactic fermentation. That's taking Chablis from France and bringing that model of a wine to America. And he's taught a ton of young winemakers how to make non-malolactic Chardonnay, which is minerally and it's absolutely incredible. His Cabernets are definitely Bordeauxish. Uh, and he was in the very first Wine Spectator. So here's a man that worked at Sterling, Newton Vineyards. He's been around Napa and, and I'm still, he still hand writes invoices to me and I get them in the mail. I mean, he's old school, <laughs> he's old school, but he's, he's an incredible winemaker. And those are the kind of people that when we travel and we go to see our winemakers and our people, we, that's what we love. We love their love of the earth. They are, they're glorified earth farmers and these guys love what they do. And he, to go back to your question, was my very first wine that I remember buying in uh, Napa Valley. And my portfolio from the beginning is totally changed. Um, I bring in stuff like Kistler. I had Mayakamas. I had uh, um, oh, Monticello. I had a whole batch of different wines, Arns, and uh, some incredibly great wines. But it just evolved into uh, more of what we have today. Uh, a lot of focus is Washington and Oregon, and now we've gone into the old world, even though I'm new world wines. <laughs> well, that begs to ask the next question, which is new world wines bringing in old world brands like, uh, well, that, that was a, that was a transition that, um, when we did our first trip, we, in the beginning, when I set up my portfolio, I was living in Whistler and ran into um, a gentleman who worked at Araxi and he said, you know, Chateau Le Nerth, which is one of the greatest Chateau Neuf de Pop wines in the world, according to Robert Parker, is looking for an agent here. Are you interested? Because uh, he was just over there. His name's Pat Allen, who was over in France. And I said, sure. So we contacted them and after about five years, we finally went to France and met Alain de Gasse and um, Christian Vaux, who was his winemaker mm -hmm. and GM, and realized that New World Wine should not be restricted by a name. Uh, bringing the old world to the new world was our new model uh, because we realized that, oh my God, the old world has got so much depth and character and you realize that um, New World is incredible but the old world is really fantastic when you get that history and you're there and you're looking at vines that have been there two three hundred years you, you kind of get a sense of place and um after we stopped dealing with chateau la nerite was one of those long stories but we we stuck with the wine uh, maker christian Vaux, and so i bring in uh, cote de rhone and now I have a Bordeaux, I have two Champagne houses. Um, we realize that the old world uh, is not limited by my company name. It, it, what it really means is that we're trying to find small handcrafted wines 
in the world. All over the world. Yeah. Now we do a bit of New Zealand, we do some Argentina, we're just bringing in our first Chilean wines, and it's all in the same model. We want to have small boutique, family run, sustainably farmed. Uh, we don't have to go totally organic or biodynamic. I think those things are wonderful, but I, I'm all about sustainability. I want the minimal use of uh, herbicides and pesticides. And I think it comes out in the wine itself. Uh, I think when you go to the big conglomerates and they're making millions of cases, it, it just always tastes the same. And, and that's unusual if you think about it, because fruit is different every year yeah. and, and it should taste different every year. If it tastes the same, then I get a little suspect. <laughs> well, Peter, that was a great conversation. Um, thanks for this episode. Um, look forward to more conversations and um, remember wine pairings and wine sharings. Bye for now. This wine site, Wine Chatter, is about the relationships that people make when they sit over the table with a bottle of wine and a meal. And the beauty of that is that you build relationships from the conversation that you have when you're having a wonderful meal with a bottle of wine. And putting those two things together, the wine and the food, is the ultimate relationship that you could share with a friend, with family, with a stranger. Stay tuned for more info and updates about wine pairings and wine sharing on Wine Chatter. Thanks for listening. <laughs>